Welcome gamers to this week's episode of Last Call Gaming. We're on episode number 158. Today is January 21st, our first episode in 2023. My name is Craig Prowls and joining me back behind the booth, haven't seen haven't seen you behind the table since last year, Manju Montemayor. I'd love to say new year, new us, but I feel like we're just back on that bullshit. Oh, dude, that... I will say this, and I... Somebody... I think it was Talha wrote something in the comments. It, it did take a while for us to get going, but it was nice to just have a nice, like, solid little vacay before we start doing the show, and like you were saying off camera, like, there wasn't a ton of news, so like, I, yeah, I agree big, with you. There yeah. wasn't too much that I think that we fell behind on. Right now is the sweet spot, I think, to get back in now that the Q1 games are going to start falling through, and then... Uh, Microsoft sings next week. Yeah, our main topic, obviously, with the last of us so hey it's a good time for the boys to be back in town right the boys are back in town nice guys so uh apologies for starting so late but we are back now and we should be fully on track so guys if you're watching the youtube version of the show make sure you like comment subscribe share to as many people as you can and hit that notification bell so you can see our shows coming in every week if you guys are interested in following us on any of our social media our link tree link is in the description of our youtube video you can find us on facebook instagram twitter and if you guys are listening to the audio only version of this podcast uh find us on whatever podcast platform you prefer but as of right now anchor is the home for us and from there you can get all of your audio files so uh, with that done out of the way, guys, before we jump into our main story, Andrew and I like to do, what are you up to? We take a second, talk about what we've been playing, what we've been watching. It's been a few weeks, my man, so what have you What have you been cruising through? Uh, I'm still cruising through uh, Big Bang Theory. Again, it's like 12 seasons, but I'm at the end of season four, and I find it, I know there's like a lot of other shows that I should be watching or doing, or I didn't end up finishing Ink Master, but it's a lot easier to binge Big Bang Theory when it's like 20 minute episodes. Yeah. yeah. If like that, minus credits, it's 18 something. Uh, yeah, that's so nice. And like right now, it's just getting really good. I'm like, oh, you know what? At first, I kind of hated the show, and there's some things I didn't like, but it's just getting progressively better, and I understand it now. So I'm actually really, really enjoying it. Yeah. But as far as anything else goes, I've been playing more games than anything. Again, back on Call of Duty, getting ready for the big season two update next month, where hopefully they fix a lot of issues with the game but as far as anything else i did finish gta 3 i can't remember last time if i had said i had started it or was thinking about starting it but it's I was been like, so long <laughs> i was like you know what i'm just gonna get in here i've never played grand theft auto 3 it was actually really easy to cruise so it's actually a very very short game doing like all the main missions i did do some of the side ones too but i got all the achievement stuff then i was like oh well that was easy i love Vice City the most, so I'll save that one for last. I remember San Andreas being cool, so I'll just cruise through San Andreas. I'll say that I beat San Andreas, but if you look at my achievements, I did not. Because <laughs> when you make it to the end, this one is where they fucking threw the kitchen sink and everything went overboard. There's like 100 missions, plus you like you can work out. There's all kinds of uh, romance. There's everything going on in this game. I'm like, ugh, man, I kind of remember liking it as a kid because it was the first thing that was like that but now playing i'm like there's so much fucking bloat in this game with no fast travel <laughs> nothing like that. the map's huge i made it all the way to the end and it did one of the things that i will not stand for and that's to do the final mission there you have to do a certain percent of gang territory that's around the map 
And the problem with doing that is as you're gaining gang territory, you can lose gang territory. So while I'm fighting something else, someone could be taking my gang territory. Not only do I have to drop what I'm doing, I got to go all the way back over here, defend it, and then keep doing it. And if it'd be one thing, it was like own 15%, 10% or something. You have to own 35% of the gang territories. And I'm like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. Like I already did everything else on here. I'm over it. How big is the, uh, the final achievement? Is it like, are you missing like 25 points? points. Okay, no, yeah. that's, yeah. that's yeah. where, that's that. where I absolutely drew the line. If it was 100 points or more, I for sure would have put the time in. But for 25 points and as long as that game was, I'm not. But I did forget out of all the people that were in there, you know, you have like Samuel Jackson, a lot of great voice actors in this game, which James Woods is in this game. Oh, nice. And I forgot that he's in there. And he's like really, really good, dude. He's hysterical. I love me some Woods. But uh, as far as anything else that I played too, I did also beat High on Life. And I feel like that's where I really... You know, got one for the home team because I decided I'm just going to run through it, do the easy achievements. I don't want to collect anything. While I was waiting for this other achievement where you have to have a commercial pop up on the TV, you got to keep like reloading your save to change it. It gave me an achievement for collecting all the playing cards. Yeah. And I, I had only had like two of them at the time. So I'm like, oh, you know what? They really want me to have that. And I appreciate that. So that saved me from my Grand Theft Auto. Now, as many of you know, I've been talking about Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter Rise. That just dropped the other day. I haven't played it. I launched it yesterday, and I spent an hour making my character, making my Palico companion. <laughs> Watched the first cutscene, and as soon as it's like, all right, get out in this world and do whatever, I'm like, all right, that's enough. Is Rise, so Rise is a separate game from Hunter, or is it an add-on like DLC? I, that's why I kind of no. forget. Monster Hunter Rise is its own game that dropped for the Switch, and now it's out for, or what, I think it had already been out for PC, but now it's out for everything. And then it has its own DLC, which is Sunbreak. And Sunbreak is from my understanding almost like maybe what iceborne was that when they did put it out you get confused that you think it's almost its whole game because it is so like a whole it. yeah it's a whole chunk of whatever and congratulations to them because i think they just said iceborne just passed like a million or Capcom, some, right? Doing that? yeah something like that it passed some like crazy number cells i'm like damn monster hunter world was already crazy crazy up there it's crazy to see their dlc now be up there like really high would too. rise be is it the same fight i don't know how you said you got into it with the fighting at all or if you've seen it is it the same as world or would it be an easier entry point like me and you know we played we played the other one didn't care for it because it is a lot of stuff to learn is this an easier entry point or would it be more the same i don't think it's easier but some things are like you don't have to like track animals the traveling's a lot easier but i mean as far as like learning the combat and stuff I think it's probably about the same. I haven't made it that far to know, but I, I'm going to imagine it's the same. But if you guys do want to jump in, we'll do it just like Dark Souls. You know, with me helping you, you ended up loving that game. But I'm sure if you would have just jumped in yourself, yeah, you probably would have been like, fuck this. Yeah. I doesn't explain anything, and I don't know what's going yeah. on. It's on Game Pass, so if you guys do have an Xbox and Game Pass, uh, download it for free. And you want to run me through it, hit me up. <laughs> so as far as what I've been up to over the last uh, few weeks... Um, but the main thing that I watched was this movie called, and I didn't even know it was out. It's called Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. It released on October 7th of last year. It was on HBO Max. Um, it was a pretty, pretty good movie. I thought it was, looking at HBO Max, I thought it was going to be kind of lame. I'm like, uh, how cool can the, I mean, Damien's awesome, but Superboy or whatever they want to call him, John Kent, looked kind of lame. It's actually pretty solid. And, and when I looked at the reviews, um, it's got a 6.7 on IMDb, which is pretty good. More, you know, 53% of the average watcher liked it. But what surprised me is that right now, at least the last time I checked, it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So. I, say, I remember, I seen like a trailer for this the other day because I was going through that, the, the Justice, not the Justice League, but the animated yeah. film universe or whatever. And I'd seen that and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't say anything about it. I went on Wikipedia to read the story. It's not on there. But under the little where they say response, it says, 
released to okay reviews, but if you're a comic fan or whatever like that, it holds a higher rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's funny that you brought it up. I'm yeah. like, oh, maybe I should go watch that. Yeah, then. I think so. So if you are interested in watching the DC animation movies, it's not part of anything that's like, you know, when they make the new D, the new 52 movies, so if you watch like Justice League and Justice League Dark and the Aquaman movies, they're all connected. This one is a separate universe that actually where the main enemy is Starro. So that's kind of what this one centers on. And the cast in it is pretty solid. Um, it's got a lot of people from Vox Machina. If you you, you like that show, I, right? I haven't watched. Oh, you didn't yeah. watch that one? So that's the kind of Dungeons and Dragons show. So the guy that plays Grog, who's the big barbarian, uh, Travis Willingham, he's the guy that plays Superman. Uh, Tom Kenny, who's SpongeBob, plays Green Arrow. Troy Baker comes back to play Batman, who was who was in Arkham Origins as Batman. Uh, he did a good job too. Yeah, dude, he sounds just. He does a really good Kevin Conway. I don't. I wouldn't call it an impersonation as much as I would say like an homage to it. But Laura Bailey's in it. Nolan North is in it playing Jor-El. So it's got solid voice talent, which is always a key factor when you're watching something that's animated like that. I would say check it out if you have HBO Max. It was actually a pretty solid movie. They did a really cool rendition of Damien in this one. And I actually ended up, who I thought was going to be like the crybaby kid, the Superboy. Uh, I actually ended up liking him at the end. And it was uh, pretty, pretty well done. So... As far as what I've been playing, I don't know. I, sh- I guess I should have watched the last episode. I forget what I was talking about last time, but I also did be um, high on life. So actually, maybe we can do a spoiler cast on that as well. I ended up loving that game. And th- we can maybe throw Gino on it. But the big yeah, game yeah. I did beat was uh, was uh, the Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core Reunion, which dropped uh, the late last year in December of 2022. It's got solid reviews. That and I beat. Yeah, Andrew beat that as well. And I got to say, the beginning of it, because this was the PSP remake of it, uh, the beginning was pretty slow. And I was kind of like, man, I hope it's not like this the whole time. But once there's a certain cutscene, and you'll know it when you get to it. Which is what I told yes, you. Yeah. Once you hit that cutscene, you're like, oh, okay, shit. Now I'm definitely in this. And I got to say, if, if you're interested in playing like the Final Fantasy VII remake and uh, the next one that comes out later this year. Rebirth, I think. Rebirth, yeah. Then you, I would say you have to play the crisis core final fantasy 7 reunion i think they're kind of in tandem with each other um i would say this game was a solid if you like final fantasy 7 the game was like a solid 8.5 like 9 for me only because i love final fantasy 7 lore so much if you don't and you just are into playing a good role-playing game i'd say a 7.5 8 it still has really fun interesting mechanics it that dmw system was really cool the way they incorporate all these i found myself doing more of the side missions than i was doing they the actual yeah. uh main quest and finally i was like okay dude i gotta i gotta like move on with my life and beat this game so it was a lot of fun and i'm glad i spent time with it one of the biggest things i my one of my criticisms is the more you kind of learn about angel and genesis who are kind of two main players in this game the more i felt it kind of like rob sephiroth of a little bit of his like mystique and his like behind the shadow kind of thing it was still cool to see but it was almost like learning more about boba fett that i wasn't sure i wanted to know about and when we do our spoiler cast of it we'll kind of dive in more into that but do you agree with that at all did it, did it take anything away from sephiroth or in your opinion do you think it added more to him because mm. it was cool to flesh him out but i'm like i don't know if i needed to know all of that it, it didn't really take away anything from okay. me for it because I'm, I'm even still when you see Sephiroth and everything in this game, even after you learn whatever about him, he's still just badass. All the way I'm just like, oh man, this is really cool, and it's almost like I, I just want like more Sephiroth. And if anything, 
it leads back to that conversation we were having about that weird mobile shooter where they had like a younger, almost like yeah. teenage version of Sephiroth. Like, I don't know if that's what I want, but that's very something I would be interested in seeing if it's done right. So I feel like that would almost be taking it too far. But this, I felt like, was okay. Yeah, perfect. So uh, let us know, guys, down below. It's been a couple of weeks. Let us know what you've been playing. Let us know what you've been watching. Let us know what you got coming up. So... Uh, with that down and out of the way, guys, let's move into our main topic, and that is that uh, the Last of Us series is finally out. Episode one is out. We have now seen it. It aired January fifteenth, twenty twenty-three, and by the time you guys are watching this episode, episode two is probably out by now. So keep that in mind. We're simply reviewing the pilot episode, and we're going to talk about a couple of key aspects of it. Um, Overall, got great reviews. It's got a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, 9.4 on IMDb, 95% of people that watched it um, liked it. And, of course, this is HBO show. And the main article that I'm pulling from Collider is stating that The Last of Us premiere scores HBO's second largest debut in over a decade. Uh, the series is second only to The House of Dragons debut. So let me read this real quick just so you can kind of put in context of how high it was being watched. So this says... Uh, video game fans and HBO will both be heaving a sigh of relief this week for different reasons. While the hugely anticipated series The Last of Us has been almost unanimously declared as the best video game adaptation of all time, not a high bar to cross, but still, it also drew phenomenal numbers for the premium television network. Based on Nielsen and first party data, Sunday's series premiere was watched by 4.7 million viewers across linear and HBO Max platforms. This is the second biggest debut for HBO since 2010's Boardwalk Empire behind only last year's Game of Thrones spinoff House of the Dragon. The debut viewership for The Last of Us is also double that of the second season premiere of Euphoria, which ranks as one of HBO's most popular offerings. Sunday night viewership for an HBO series typically represents 20-40% to 40 of the show's total gross audience per episode. So... It's safe to say that they knocked it out of the park, at least, again, speaking from a pilot perspective, that this show not only had the eyeballs watching it, but it was also reviewed nicely by critics and fans as well. So before we kind of dive into the characters and kind of the, the, the look of it, do you agree with this, Andrew? They're saying so far this might be the best video game adaptation of all time. Do you agree with that? And, I mean, did you think it was a great pilot? Yeah, I think it would have been hard for them to actually mess this up. One, because when you're watching the original game, it, it like I, when you're watching all the cutscenes and everything, it almost plays out like yeah. a movie. So you could just almost make it like one for one and be like, here's the guide on how to do it. Just put it on TV and it will play out perfectly. But with how close they were working with, um, I, I can't think of his Neil name, Druckmann Neil Druckmann and, Druckmann and, and stuff like that, I'm sure that they really were like, okay, like let's not do what other people are doing. We're like, well, we're just going to take the name and we're just going to fuck off everything else and we're going to use the name and like that's it. Like, no, we're going to take the name based on the game's sake and, you know, just not a one-for-one one adaptation, but, but stick something... To the, stick to the source material. Stick to the source material while still creating something that feels fresh and they absolutely nailed it. So but best video game adaptation of all time? Or would you still put like... Because I think they underrate things like that are animated as well. Because I love the Castlevania stuff, but I mean, yeah, I yeah, if we're talking it, live action, then for sure. As long as this thing ends strong as it began, right? Because there's nine right. episodes, it could easily fall off the map. Say episode three, four, five, six. But if it can stay strong, then this thing definitely, I would say, has a chance to be on the Rushmore. Of, uh, of video game adaptations, if it stays as, as positive as it's been since episode one. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I I would agree with their statement as far as you include that word live action. Right. So 
Um, so again, I love the opening. So let's start getting into what the show is about. Um, obviously, that the uh, the synopsis is Joel and Ellie, a pair connected through a harshness of the world they live in, are forced to endure brutal circumstances and ruthless killers on a trek across. And it kind of dived out there, so I don't know if there was more to that there. But uh, the opening of this was awesome. It kind of takes this old... Uh, these couple guys sitting, it's like the late 60s, five minutes of talking oh, I love about that. this kind of possibility that if fungus and, or more particular fungi were to have to evolve and they kind of go into this explanation of how it already does this in things like ants and it, they have this awesome explanation and it kind of has a uh, good body artist from Spartacus, yeah. John Hanna, and it's got um, big head from Silicon Valley played by Josh Brenner. It's a, it's about, I think it's like a five minute opening and I got to say it set up it perfectly there was Perfect no exposition yeah the yes. exposition for this was on point it instantly in that conversation and it was cool because it was it was kind of told through the scientific and then kind of the the unknown uh, the unknowing and when you kind of see it, it's kind of bone chilling because at the end because he's kind of being a smart ass in the beginning the um the host but at the end when he's kind of telling him is like all it takes is this and we're and we lose i was like man that's just that's a pretty powerful intro that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the episode yeah, for sure. Especially, too, because the way the conversation ends when he's like, well, you know, these other things, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. But, yeah, he says, let's say the temperature of the Earth rises, which is like a you know a global warming thing, causing something like that to adapt. Then, what? well, what can we do? Nothing. There's nothing we can do. It's yeah, game like, over. Yeah, there's no way to stop it. We haven't made cures for this. There's no way to make cures for this. There's no way to prevent it. It's If global warming happens, then this thing will naturally have to evolve. And yeah, when he's like, he's like, then what happens? He's like, we lose. I was like, damn. That's- yeah, no, it was really good. I yeah. love that. So then it jumps forward um, in time to, I think it was, was it present day? I kind of figured if they were doing it 2020 or something, I'd have to double check. But um, it gets into, I want to talk about the look and the aesthetic of the world that they've created. So they make this place look, I mean... I mean, assuming when we do the time jump again, it looks real. I think it's real. like 2002 or something because then it jumps again. Right, right, when it does it. So, yeah, they do a really good job at making the world look real, uh, dirty, depressing, like this dystopian post-pandemic um, like era when you kind of get later in the episode. But I got to say, and Andrew, you kind of hinted at it earlier, was you've got to give uh, you know the showrunner, Neil Druckmann, I don't know who's the showrunner, but the creator of it, um, the fact that he was so hands-on, you can see it. You can stick that they're sticking to that source material. And Craig Mazin, who, um, if you guys aren't familiar with him, uh, he was the showrunner for the show uh, Chernobyl, which was fantastic. And if you've ever seen that, it's a perfect kind of, uh, if you were to kind of compare him, like that dark, dirty, gritty world that they've kind of taken and then now put into um, The Last of Us. And I got to say, it, I think it takes two halves of that coin for them to do it. One, to know the source material, treat it right, treat it properly, make tell the right story, and then someone else to actually paint the picture of it. Because looking at it, I mean, obviously we've only seen episode one, but the trailer kind of shows more about where they're going. And if you're going to compare that to the video games, which looked awesome and they've remade three times, then the show has to at least kind of kind of match that. And I think they did a really good job doing that. I absolutely love the aesthetic of it and the way that it starts. I think even still is one of my favorite things that they do is you can just watch it at the beginning. You're watching them like live their daily life and everything just seems normal. Again, it looks beautiful, believable area. But when you're looking in the background, there's like subtle news reports or at the beginning, she's listening to something that's around the world and they're talking about something and they're talking about like a virus, but they don't really know what it is. And they kind of 
pass it on, you know, like it would everyday life, almost similar to like what happened with COVID over here. That I instantly thought of that. I was like, man, you know, that's the craziest thing to think of. And that's how close and a good job they did of this that it hit to home. Is like I remember reading about COVID. And I'm like, oh, that would never come over here. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's far away problems. And is that even really that big a problem? And then the more I'm watching this, I'm like, oh man, that's it's so insane. Yeah, and it was really cool how they like Andrew's saying how they the way they kind of set it up because the episode is kind of split in the I wouldn't say two halves, but there is one point in the beginning um, before the pandemic breaks out. And then obviously there's the next half, which is like 20 years later. And uh, it did a really great job in kind of that easy transition. I was going to say, do you want to kind of jump into the characters right now? Or is there anything else you want to talk about with no, the plot? We can jump into that. Okay. So um, let's start with Sarah first. Cause she is kind of in the beginning. Sarah is Joel's. I, well, I don't want to say spoilers either if you haven't seen it. So we are going to talk about characters in this and what may or may not happen to them. So, Spoilers if you haven't seen the episode and you want to go watch it and then come back and watch this. But the game is over a decade old. So if you are someone that's played the game already, then you already know this kind of stuff. So right. We're just kind of looking at the, the adaptation from now being into a show. So Sarah, who's Joel's daughter originally, um, surprisingly enough, because her role is so small in the game. Surprisingly enough, I'm like, what are they going to do with her? I liked her instantly i already yeah. was like oh i i like this character she's she's funny she's interesting and then what happens to her eventually when she passes i was like heartstruck and i was like dude that was a powerful scene man when you kind of get the you know what's coming and then the death scene at the end i was just like dude so i don't know i thought they did a good job sarah's not in the game much i thought she did there was a great job with her character for how much time she had in this one i think they did a better job too of making you care for her and as far as that death goes because then you see like her everyday life like not only like her going to school fixing the watch which ends up being like a bigger thing later on but when she goes like next door to the neighbors yeah, and talking the cookies. to them and make yeah making the cookies and stuff like that like that was just you know seeing that everyday life being what some people call you know like perfect before everything goes to shit it's like man that just made that turn much more impactful yeah and you can see the and we'll get into joel in a minute but like the relationship she has with her father and how much she loves him and all this stuff and then when you finally see the way she and i'm sure they'll do her i'm sure they'll do flashback scenes she i'm sure she'll be in maybe a couple more episodes is like joel kind of reminisces about the past so um excellent job with her the character that i thought they could have like spent the least amount of time on was surprisingly one of my favorites in, right. in that pilot. So uh, the next person I want to move on to is uh, Tess. So Tess in the game was kind of Joel's, I don't know who was really the leader. I don't, I, it's again, I haven't played the game since 2014. So forgive me if my, my memory on the game is a little hazy, but in this one, in the show, it kind of seems like they're lovers. I'm pretty sure that's implied. I don't remember that being the case in the game. I don't think it was ever expressed that way anyway. And if I remember right, the in the game, she didn't look as old as the way they kind of portrayed her in this one. And she definitely didn't look, well, I don't, don't want to say haggard, but as like beat up as the other chick did. So what was your thoughts on Tess? I was going to say, I don't remember her looking as old, but when they remade the game again for PS5, they did like age her up. And that did was they? big people's complaints is like, well, you made Tess and you made her how old. And maybe that's the adaptation they went off of now. Which is, is perfectly fine. I, don't, off, I have no problem with going it. off of the PS5 remake. So I actually didn't have an issue with that. Only because I'd seen like the PS5 footage when people were talking about that. Yeah, and I thought she was a strong character. I liked that they very strong. I liked that they assert the dominance that she is kind of the capitan and he's just kind of the muscle. I like the dynamic that they have, the power roles that they play when they run into certain characters. Everyone knows Tess and Joel at this point. They are an established figure in this in the city that they're living in. Which at this point now we're knowing that this city is ran by 
I would I don't say it's a government. It's more like like this army or that's kind of going yeah. on. And um, they do a really good job of really making it feel like. Because in the first one, you kind of see the army and you see them executing people, but you're kind of just almost like Mm-mm. passing through a little bit. Right. When you're watching this, you feel it a lot more like how he's making the secret shades with the guards, but not only they're hunting people down, or even still, she just happened to be on the street when the fighting started, and they like take her anyways, and she ends up in like lockup. So you really feel their presence a lot more as far as their control in the city than I think what you really see in the game in the first one. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think. What is it called when that happens? Like, uh, like the military mil- occupation? Yeah, military lockdowns. Oh, it's um, martial law. Martial law, yeah. You can definitely still it. Like, that's the kind of environment that they're living in. So, um, moving on to the next person who, you know, we know is going to have a bigger role is Marlene, who is the leader of her section of the of the Fireflies. I thought she was pretty spot on. My memory of her sure, from the yeah. game, I would say if you're if you're going to do a one to one comparison from anybody from the show to the game, I thought she was probably the most spot on character that we've got to meet. I liked her tenacity. I liked her goal. I liked that she again when they run into Joel, they know each other. You can tell that there's there's a background between them. Um, I know. I thought she did a great job, and I, I I can't wait to see more of her. I actually liked her the best. I think. Yeah, I like, too, that she's also, I, again, another strong person because when that chick's trying to question her, she, like, orders everyone out of the room. Yeah. She's like, you know what you need to know because I'm telling you what you need to yeah, know. Yeah, she was definitely a, a strong authority figure. Uh, anything else on Marlene? Nah. Um, the next one I wanted to see, it, I don't think there's much to say, is we get to meet Tommy in the beginning with uh, Joel's brother, who was a badass in the beginning. You know, he, he had his yeah. shit and he played his part. Obviously, we now know that he's being, he's lost somewhere. And the whole goal of this is Joel wants to get out of out of the town so we can go find his brother. So I don't think there's much to say on Tommy because we've only seen him for about maybe a minute and a half collected time. So, but I like I like the actor. I think it's Gabriel Luna. Um, I do like him. So when we see more of him, I'm sure it'll be great. Which I think that's one of the changes they makes in the original. I think he's just not talking to Tommy or they hadn't talked in a while. Whereas in this one, he's actively looking for him and trying to send out like a signal through like the music and stuff Which like that. Which was dope. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, I, you are seeing when you're watching this, you're seeing some of the subtle changes that they're making to kind of keep it fresh. And it still plays out like, you know, the story the same, or if anything, maybe it makes it slightly better. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what they do with that. So, um, now we get to get into our two big players. Obviously, let's go Ellie. Um, clearly, this is a new incarnation of Ellie. I don't think... Obviously, there's traits of the game version in this version. But I can totally... If my memory serves, this is a whole different personality for her. Not, I mean, she is funny. And when she does like the countdown and says, fuck you. But um, there's just a different... Um, I think just a different kind of personality there. I like um, Ellie Williams. I'm still not sure if I would have went with someone that didn't kind of more look like Ellie. With but how the, close everyone else looks. With how yeah. close everyone else looked. But the moment she started on screen, I was just like, okay, this will work for me. And I think that was a lot of people's biggest hesitation is because um, Joel, Pedro Pascal looks like Joel. I think a lot of people are going to having an issue with Ellie. Once I got her flavor of how she's going to be acting, I was like, I can, I can move on with it. And I think she's great. Or did you have any concerns with her? No, as soon as it started, like, I, again, it was always just kind of like a looks thing, but as soon as everything got going, I'm like, okay, you know, she's acting like this is the way, like, I could picture, like, Ellie acting in the situation or whatever. I think she captures it. Yeah. Um. Anything you would think, did she did she stand out more to you than the game Ellie, or is that, am, I just, am I remembering it differently? Like, I see just the different traits in her. Like, I see her being more, more um, not outlandish, but more kind of, like, wild when she jumps out of the door 
And she just kind of seems a little more savage in this one than uh, the other one did. I, I don't know. I almost kind of felt like maybe it was the same. And maybe that's just my memory tainted. Because, again, it's been so long. I almost feel like it's almost the same as what it was. So let's move into um, Joel, who uh, Pedro played by Pedro Pascal. I have a hard time not hearing Pedro Pascal's voice. And I know he's doing a, like a more gruffier voice, but I can still hear like the Viper in his voice sometimes. I can still hear yeah. the Mandal- Mandalorian in his voice sometimes. But he looks great. He acts the part. He has that brooding presence when he's on there. When that one dude walks up to him and he's like, if you tell me to follow the light, like I'll beat the shit out of you. Whatever he says, I was like, I'm like, okay, he definitely nails it. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? Did he did he nail it? I think he's one of the best parts because especially at the beginning, like you feel that he is just like. I don't want to say beaten down dad, but this worn out dad, you know, that's doing everything that he can for his family, for his daughter, you know, because he does like construction or whatever the hell it is that he does. Something to do with like putting up housing or building right. or something like that. And then when he gets home, he's just like too tired to even do like his birthday or yeah. celebrate his birthday the way she wants to. Now here's him later changed by the world and he's just been beaten down. So he's just got like just that cold like. Hey, it's me or you, and it's going to be me every time. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, now that we have the characters established, it's like that scene when they're going through, the, trying to escape the town, and they're, it's 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 uh, it's Tommy, Joel, and Sarah in the car, and they're trying to get out of the bridge, and they're, then they go through town, and then they get crashed into by, um, I think that, that airplane wrecks. I thought that was fucking way Dude, dope. So and this dope. is why you put it on something like HBO Max, because it looks like a movie when you're watching it. So I'm super happy that HBO got it, because I don't think a lot of other net, um, you know, streaming channels, maybe Amazon, could have done something that looked that great. So I was completely impressed with what they did. Yeah, I'll say, especially that beginning when the outbreak's happening, like one of my favorite parts is when they're leaving that they had already like had to shoot this old lady that was their neighbor but he like hits someone else on the road with a car and he's taken off and his other neighbor that's some woman he's like get back in the fucking house and he's leaving she's like joel what are you doing and you see her out in the street but then you see the person get up and fucking attack her and so it's like very like dawn of the dead i'm like man this is just so good like this is a really good pre like showing that initial outbreak they did such a good job of that yeah and we've yet to see the bigger zombies so it's they did a nice job showing us in an oversaturated zombie filled world but we live with every show's got zombies every movie it doesn't feel like zombies yeah i was gonna say they're doing a pretty interesting job to instantly hook me and uh i think they've got a winner on their hands so before we go into overall stuff is there anything else you want to add on about the looks and all that? Actually, I did want to say, I, I kind of want to go into the infected a little bit yeah. more. They are scary, especially when you see that old lady. That she's lady, doing dude, the weird she starts going like, yeah, open up her mouth. And it's and now that they're, they have that thing That's coming out of lead, the mouth. It's like yeah. weird. It's not like spores, but it's almost like something plant-like. So instead of mm-hmm. them just biting you, it's almost like... They bite you and maybe that goes in your skin and that's how that spreads through the infection. It's like, okay, that's really cool. Like, that's another step more into, like, how they're changing this but for the better to, like, adapt this world. Yeah, because I like how they weren't saying – they weren't using the word zombies. It was more – I mean, obviously, we'll hear things like clickers. But in the beginning, when they established that the fungi is just a spore and using – you know, taking over the host and using you as a puppet. I mean, you really – you're just – you know, an extension of what they, the hive mind wants to do, which essentially is just, you know, world coverage. And it's just, dude, that's a scary, scary thought. And I think they, they executed it quite well. I mean, I was like, damn, dude, this would suck to live in. Yeah. So far from what they've shown, I think they absolutely nailed the infected as far as like how they looked and act. And again, this is 
pre-breakdown before they have like shit grown all over their face and they become like you know they've been around for so long that now they're kind of transforming to be representative more plant-based like but just that initial i'm like damn like those are scary like that because if you have something where like you know a horror movie or a horror show or something like that mm-hmm. but the other part of it's not really that scary then it's almost like well what's the point what's like really the real big threat so by building this up and making it like those are like 10 out of 10 like dawn of the dead yeah type scary like creatures because they're so fucking fast too like that was a big thing like when that one peeps up because they're like eating all the bodies and he's like i think he hits like a bottle or something yeah. like that and it just one perks up convenience and store it whatever just it was. slams into the wall but then gets up like instantly off the floor and it's like on top of him again it's like god damn yeah they did a good job um showing the fear that's that's real in this world making it feel alive having powerful actors give powerful presences so um i don't know i think i think they did a great job is there anything else you wanted to talk about that before we kind of go into our ending with it no i'm ready so um, overall, with the adaptation, like I said, I think it's so far, it's 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 great. And what it also did, it made me feel more comfortable now because obviously this is Sony's first big... I mean, obviously they did Uncharted and things like that, but we know they're doing... They're throwing a lot of IP into um, being adapted into movies or shows. So Uncharted was hit or miss for a lot of people. I liked it. I liked it. I think this kind of shows that if you're going to do these... Because when you think about movie like games uncharted is definitely one of them but that that's not necessarily you don't need to make a movie out of it i think this is showing that you need the tv aspect of it i, I forget if horizon is going to be a show but i'm pretty sure the god of war version that they're talking about metal. is a show so it's like i have a better understanding now if this is the way they're going to do it the only thing that's unfortunate is they're not you're not going to have a neil Druckmann and a craig mason on, all, the helm, on yeah. all these projects so this might just be the diamond in the rough out of all of them but if they're going to have this much attention to the other projects then i'm a little more comfortable moving forward are you with like the other like horizon god of war twisted metal i would hope so but i'm also on the other end of the spectrum like damn if you put out your best one and this one ends up being the best one first and then all the other ones suck then that's all you're gonna hear is oh it's going down in quality they're never gonna have another last of us whereas if they put out the kind of worst shows first and then the last of us came out later but i'm like oh well, maybe grace. now they're turning it around and here's the saving grace nice so i think that's everything i've got on it um was there anything else you wanted to get into yeah actually i had a question for you because um after watching this too let me see what did i write down do you mm-hmm. think that watching the show you're getting a better experience out of it than playing the game well if i'm say that again so, like, watching this show, do you think you're experiencing it, having a better experience watching the show, sitting back, relaxing, than when you experience the story as playing the game? Uh, um, I think it's... for Okay, so for me, as a gamer, I'll take the f- 20 to 40 hour storyline versus this is going to be nine hours. I That's the way I want to take it in. But that's, you know, my mom doesn't play games. My grandma doesn't play games. I think they did a perfect job because again, there's a lot of people that are always like, "Oh, if you want to, if you want to have watch Last of Us, just then play the game." It's like, well, not everyone does that. So I like that they're doing that for something that most people, not most, but a lot of people are never going to play the game. So I think it's cool that they're doing it. For me though, it's always going to be the game because you're going to get more out of it. You're going to get more because instead of watching Joel do it, I'm Joel doing it. So for me, I'll take the games all day, but I'm not opposed to anybody who goes. 
let's make a show out of it. I was going to say, see, I'm on the other end because I didn't play The Last of Us when it came out. I played it later. Too. So to me, like, I'm like, oh, man, this feels fucking clunky. This feels dated. Like, it doesn't feel good to play, but the story's so good that that's really kind of the driving thing for me. That was the other question I had on here, too, because I was sitting there watching this with Christina, and I already know, you know, the story and what's going to happen as far mm-hmm. as, like, a majority po- Um, Do you think that watching the show, do you wish you hadn't played the game? Like, does the game spoil the show for you? I, I'm still just as good and just as invested, but seeing her, I'm like, oh, man, you know what? At this point, too, I almost kind of wish I didn't know anything about the game so that I could really, like, enjoy the show and be like, ah. It's hard to say when the Pandora's box is already open. You know? yeah. I've already done it, so it's hard for me to go, like, oh, I, did I wish I didn't play it because it was, I mean, as much as this show was badass, the game when it came out was revolutionary. Yeah. Like, it was the best game out when it came out. Number two got a ton of accolades. There, there, there's a reason why they're remastering it. So, it didn't ruin it because, like I said, I haven't played number one in over a decade. So, for me, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm remembering a bunch of stuff now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, Marlene does this. Oh, yeah. So... I don't think it ruined anything. I'm glad I played the games because now it, it, it lets me tell other people, go, hey, man, if you like the game, you're going to love the show. So, I told my dad about the show. I was like, I know you haven't played the game, but if you want to watch a good 10 out of 10 show, check this out on yeah, HBO. Yeah, I think my dad was playing Last of Us. I think I'm pretty sure I got it for him. So if he's watching this, like, go watch the show. It's on HBO Max. If my mom's watching this, go watch the show because it's awesome. So, um, yeah, awesome, man. Is that everything? Yeah, yeah. Those are just my two. Cool, guys. So that is um, our main topic. Let us know if you guys watched it, if you guys enjoyed the show. Let us know your thoughts. Maybe we missed something. Maybe we didn't cover anything. As it goes on week by week, I'm sure somebody will write in a question. Maybe we can kind of talk about it as we go. Or do, maybe we'll do something separate with it. So uh, leave your thoughts down below, guys. So uh, another reason that took us a while to get the show going is we actually got our first temporary sponsor at the moment so uh i'm gonna break it away now guys and you can check out our first sponsor for last call gaming is manscape check them out guys we want to take a second to thank a sponsor for this video manscaped we are starting 2023 off right with our friends at manscaped last year may have been a hairy situation but with the manscaped performance package 4.0 it's here to help you shave the day the leaders in below the waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate package Tell your friends about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim a little off your sack by going to manscaped.com and use the code LASTCALL for free shipping and 20% off. Like most of you guys, I used barbaric methods to trim my balls, but not anymore. Thanks to Manscaped and the Perfect Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to carry everything with you. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASTCALL at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code LASTCALL at manscaped.com. And trust me, fellas, your balls will thank you. All right, guys, that was our sponsor, Manscaped, guys. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you use that code. Get your discounts and make sure you guys take care of your manscaping areas. So, uh, with that down and out of the way, guys, let's move into questions of the week. Now, guys, if you want to submit a question that Andrew and I can answer on the show for you, there's a couple of ways to do it. You can leave it in the bottom of the comments of the YouTube section. You guys can email us at lastcallproductions at gmail.com or you can find me on social media at Craig Paralysis. You can send it to me there and I will insert them into the show. So, um, our first question comes from... 
uh, Racer X, and they write a little Speed Racer reference, and they write, uh, did you guys see the trailer for the Gran Turismo movie? How did it look? And would you consider it a video game movie? That's interesting. You want to? Well, let's start with the first. Yes, we saw the trailer. We actually just rewatched it again. If those of you who aren't familiar with it, obviously Gran Turismo is a. And this is another one of the Sony things we were talking about. Gran Turismo is a Sony product. The movie is based on the real life event of the guy who was so good with his gaming rig in Gran Turismo that they actually let him. Was it race cars because he was so good? Or he was able to go on a track and do... I forget what event he was able to get into or, or if he became a professional. But that's what this story is pretty much showcasing, which on paper sounds awesome. I thought it looked great. I think it looks good you too. Hate it. Like I, no, <laughs> I'm very interested in it. I do want to see it, especially too, because I've been really digging these car movies ever since I watched like 4V Ferrari. I'm like, oh, you know what? I never really thought like I'd care for like racing movies like that, like Le Mans and stuff that... This is super cool that it's now up that alley what I want to see. As far as what I consider a video game movie, I don't know. I'd have to say no. I feel like it's a movie named after a video game, and maybe the kid played a video game, but it's not like an <laughs> adaptation of Gran Turismo, so I would say no for me. Yeah, okay, let me just read the synopsis real quick. It says, The ultimate wish fulfillment tale of a teenage Gran Turismo player whose gaming skills won a series of Nissan competitions to become an actual professional race car driver based on a true story. So that, to me, sounds awesome. And I think we talked about this maybe a couple months ago when it, when like the teaser dropped, but it looks really cool. It's got Orlando Bloom in it. It's got David Harbour in it. Um, again, yeah, what I consider a video game movie I mean, we'd have to all agree on what defines a video game movie. You know what I mean? Like, is it something that has video games in it? Like, is The Wizard a video game movie because they're going to a competition? Or is it something that's based on an IP? Because at that point, this one kind of falls in a weird world of both. Not only is it using the IP name, it's also based in a real thing where Gran Turismo has something to do with it. I would probably lean on no, but I wouldn't argue anybody that wanted to consider it in the ballpark that it is. I'll argue Tom blue in the face. <laughs> blue in the face. So guys, let us know your thoughts on the Gran Turismo trailer. The next question comes from uh, Carissa N. And they write, uh, people always argue over who wins, Goku or Superman. In your opinion, who takes the final battle and why? Yeah, it's something that's came up. And I don't know if we've answered this before because it sounded kind of familiar. But I, was, I wanted to use it because I just saw somebody on Facebook, on our last call group on Facebook, arguing over uh, Superman and Goku again. So Andrew... Who who actually wins this battle, and why is it Superman? <laughs> I don't like Superman anyway, so like for me, hands down, it would be Goku. But that's his bias, though. I mean, I'm talking like who would actually win. Just because you don't like someone doesn't mean no, that they win. I, I still think it would be Goku, because Goku could be just as strong. He gets stronger, just like Superman. Superman obviously has a peak, whereas Goku, when you watch the fucking shows, continuously gets stronger. Superman doesn't but, have a peak. He but keeps going. Goku is far superior in hand-to-hand -hand combat, whereas Superman's just going to fucking sit there and throw these stupid punches, and you, that's it. Then you got to read some more books, man. There's a thing where Superman Superman has like the eidetic, perfect memory, where anything he learns, he remembers. So if he sees Batman... And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that a lot of people forget. It depends on who's writing the story. You know what I, I mean? Was it saying, throw that hey, out, what also... Superman are we using? What version of Goku are we using? So those things do kind of matter, and it depends. What powers does Superman have in this universe, in this version of the fight? If we're talking peak prime Superman, then for me, it's hands down Superman. He's pretty much no. an unlimited power source god, where Goku gets beaten 
constantly by everybody he runs into and then kind of finds the nerve to go over it where there's no ceiling that Superman has. There's nothing for Goku to go over on Superman because he's unlimited. All he needs is that solar energy. But again, you could take him away from the sun. There's a lot of factors, but it sounds like you're going to land on Goku in the final blow. I'm going to land on Superman. So I guess the, the, uh, the, the conversation continues. Uh, and leave your answer down below and let us know your guys' thoughts. Uh, the final question comes from uh, Maven S. And they write, uh, what game or games are you looking forward to the most for 2023? I'm really excited about Forspoken. Yeah, Forspoken looked pretty cool. Um, I I had the time chart, the demo you could do on the PS5. I didn't do it because I didn't want to spoil anything. Although you just recently said that it got some shitty reviews or... I think I know. I people would put it up, and people were comparing it. And people were like slamming on it. It looked like shit from what I saw. So whether or not someone maybe purposely downgraded the video or whatever they did, I don't know. It looks so. Like the resolution shit. you're saying looked bad. The, just that and the way she was taught, like what I told you yeah. was almost a word for word conversation. Especially like that's already been something she's been slammed for. Is like her the way she like whoa I can do this oh whoa <laughs> like, oh man. Uh, so I don't know. I'm still looking for Forspoken. I want to play it. The combat the looks combat cool. looks dope, but. So, a shameless plug, I guess, Andrew and I are going to do um, our next Tops episode, which is the other show we do where we give you our top five of something. Our next one is going to be our most anticipated games of 2023, so that should be out next week. But to just kind of give you a quick hint into what both of us are kind of looking forward to, um, and I'm not going to say it's on my it's my number one. I, I still haven't made my list yet, but the game I know I've been looking forward to since last year, heavily, is... Um, Hogwarts Legacy. I mean, people, you can talk all the shit you want. If you, I don't care if you like J.K. Rowling or not. That has nothing to do with the game. The game is made by a studio that's using IP from Hogwarts, and I love that. And everything we've seen about it looks amazing. The fact that you can actually go, that there's a light and dark path for this game, which any other Harry Potter game... Oh, I'm killing everybody. Yeah, you'd go, oh, you're going to be a Gryffindor, and you're going to be good, and you're going to go fight the bad guy. It's like, no... You could be, be Ravenclaw. You could be a Slytherin, a Hufflepuff, a Ravenclaw, and there's missions to go dark. You can choose your allies. So the beauty of this game is it looks like a like a I don't want to say smaller because I don't know how big the world actually is, but it looks like a Hogwarts version of Elder Scrolls. You can there's going to be missions you can go do, and there's going to be paths and different NPCs you can meet. So I'm super looking forward to this game, and I, if I'm not mistaken, it comes out either. February or March or something like that. So it's yeah, right around like the corner. February. So that's definitely a game, and you can expect to see that on my list when uh, we, you see the tops. Uh, for me as a horror fan, it's got to be Resident Evil 4. Like, that game is just beyond absolute hype, and whether or not that game can live up to it, I don't know if it can, but we're damn sure going to see. Well, so. it's got, I mean, it's got a lot of new quality of life stuff that's going on. I mean, they all do, but... It looks insane, and it looks insanely good, but I just have to... It's got to let me down somehow. There's no way it comes out. What do you think it would let you down in, in performance or, like, story? Do you think they'd change something too too dramatic to the story? I don't know, because I hope there's some stuff that they do change to the story, <laughs> so... Nice. So, guys, uh, thank you for the questions. Leave your answers down below of what you anticipate the most for uh, 2023. So, guys... That is the end of episode 158. Join us next time for episode 159. So until next time, guys, my name is Craig Prowse. That is Mandrew Montemayor. Cheers. See ya. Opening all the safes yeah. and, and that one like should that. be that one should be a day, right? Like just yeah, that, yeah, that run you, through it like in an hour, and a, well, an hour and a half. But like I could do it within eight hours. Following a guide, yeah, like eight hours. Yeah, yeah so I want to do that one before four comes out. And if then, want, uh, yeah, if you want an easy game, that that one would be like super easy to fucking start up.
Well, I'm almost done with uh, Lost and Random, so I'll say I'll I don't. Probably, I'll probably try to do that next. I'll say I don't know if there's a normal difficulty achievement. If there isn't, just do it on easy. Because I think, or unless there's, I would look in the store and see if they have the cheats for unlimited ammo. Then, hey, I love me a good unlimited ammo.